the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Make no mistake, this life is a struggle. It's hard, filled with suffering, trials, and persecution. But be of good cheer. Not only has Jesus overcome this world, he's got a new one waiting for us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org, welcome. This is Abounding Grace. Today we have another look at Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. We'll catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner right there as we continue exploring this great dynamic. Oh, we do have suffering in this life. But when you stack it up against the incomparable glory that awaits us in heaven, well, It's nothing more than a mere speck of dust in the grand scheme of things. Suffering and incomparable glory. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with this great paradigm on this edition of Abounding Grace. Environmentalism is not a new movement. Men always turn to environmentalism and to governments to enforce it when they reject the gospel because they feel this calamity. They can't avoid feeling it. Go to the worst schools, which means Harvard, Yale, Princeton, etc., with the fanciest letters, and supposedly the best pedigree, and unlearn everything you can about truth, justice, and morality, and you will still come out of it and still be scared to death because you know you are a sinner in the sight of God, and so you turn to environmentalism, Mother Earthism, and everything else that entails, but only in the gospel, can fill us with hope that God has not abandoned this world and he will restore it. Notice in verses 20 through 22, there you see creation in very interesting language. One day that created order will be delivered from this bondage. We don't know what that will look like because we don't know what it did look like before. Only that there was no sin, no death, no decay, no destruction. I mean, think of what we have done. And it not only is our sin, but that which our sin has produced. Fierce storms that come and just wipe out areas, fires, floods, wars. Now modern warfare, you know, let's just make war on the earth. We did all of this because of our rebellion. But one day, that bondage will be over with for the created order. One day, the entire earth will be brought into liberty. Notice here, the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 21. What liberty is that? No sin, no death, no decay, none. No corruption. We're going to have good crops this year. Good crops? There will be no such thing as a bad crop. Are we going to have enough rain? Are we going to have enough sunshine? Yes, 
it will be perfect. This is what God is going to do to this fallen world that we brought judgment upon. Now, of course, blind men think of all this in terms of less pollution, more trees, less people. Did you know that there are groups out there who want to reduce the human population by 80% over the next 50 years? And I mean, these are all well-financed individuals and organizations. Thank you, George Soros and Bill Gates. But understand, all the population and the wars and the gutted earth, these are all only symptoms. The underlying roots are man's greed, covetousness, and rebellion against God. But all of man's pride can't do anything about it. Only the deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, can bring this world, even as he brings us, out of our corruption. So until that glorious morning, notice verse 22. The whole creation groans. And the word here is sigh. Now how can inanimate things do this? How can even lions and tigers do this? I don't know. But that's not really the point. The point is that we are bound to this created order. And we have brought a curse and a judgment that it can't know and understand but we see the effects of it every day. So there is a certain sign. But even more, there is a travailing. It's almost like birth pains. The image, by the way, is very significant there. Because it indicates that the seed of life is already sown. Our Lord Jesus Christ, listen. He has already come and he has given a death blow to sin, death and depravity. So there can be no hope, there can be no groanings, no travailing in labor like a woman in childbirth, unless the birth contractions of new life have already begun, and they have, because the first rays of the sun have already passed their horizon. Jesus Christ is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is the first fruits. Not only of our resurrection, but also our renewal, the regeneration of the entire created order. But until he returns to consummate his victory, there is this groaning. There is labor pain. The full glory is gestating in the womb of faith. We may be nearer to the delivery. We are coming to it, but we've got to labor for it. By believing the gospel and hoping in the great things that God has in store for his people. So in verse 23, which is where we'll end today, the argument really comes full circle. Like creation, our groaning is related to more than simply our sufferings. But please understand, we groan because we have the Holy Spirit. The sign is not a symphony of sighs from a people who just feel oh woe is me life is so hard this veil of tears when is it going to be over with no that is not what Paul is talking about like the glory that is going to be revealed in us verse 18 so this groaning verse 23 is within us as well there is a seed of life planted within us who is the Holy Spirit. 
You see, the Holy Spirit not only bears witness that we are God's sons and daughters, verses 14 through 17. The Holy Spirit not only says you are God's children and gives us assurance of that, but he also does something else. You see, he creates a longing within us for the full realization of our adoption. Let that sink in. He created within us a longing. Have you ever felt like my life's just not complete here? Have you ever felt like I want so much more the presence of God in my walk with him? Let me say it like this. You're pregnant. There is a principle of life, a person of life, the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us and who resides in us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, which we'll look at in just a minute, that tells us the Holy Spirit has been given to us as an earnest or a down payment. He is a seal that God says, I am going to perfect my work in you. I'm going to take this faith and I'm going to blow it up into reality. I'm going to take your hope and I'm going to make it a reality. I'm going to take the principles of resurrection that Jesus now has because he is the first fruit of those who rise from the dead and I'm going to raise you from the dead. God says, I've given you a little glimmer now into how much God loves you. But I'm going to bring you into the presence of love. So we groan. We long for this. There is not going to be any perfection in this life. We have suffering. But we have something else that makes us a little more uncomfortable. There's something else that makes this earth, earth as good as it could possibly be never seem quite like home. It is this, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit is drawing us to long for adoption, resurrection, and the redemption of the body. That is what he is drawing us toward. That one day, all of the decay, all the sin and death, our Heavenly Father's last spanking for his children, These things are going to be done with. That we are going to know the perfection, the joy, the peace, the love, the presence of the Son of Righteousness who is arisen with healing on His wings for us and His created order. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These are the verses that follow right after the ones we read earlier in chapter 4 about our momentary affliction. He says in verse 18 of chapter 4, while we look, and this is very important, do you want your afflictions to work for you an eternal weight of glory? Then you've got to be careful what you look at. While we look, not at the things which are seen. You see, you won't find anything on earth that will help you with this. But at at the things that are not seen, things like God's glory, God's promise, God's covenant, the reigning of Christ, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, 
chapter 5, verse 1. For now, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Notice verse 5. This is really the hinge between Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 5. Now he that hath brought for us the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given us the earnest or the down payment, the seal of the Holy Spirit, Therefore, we are also confident, knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, notice his train of thought here. There are those, and I've known a few, who sing this line with glee. I'll fly away, O glory. I'll be done with this horrible place. I'll be done with the trials and sufferings, and I'll just fly away. That is more platonic than it is Christian. The soul takes flight to the world that is invisible, and there finding rest, entering into paradise. Beloved, that is not the hope of the Christian. Listen to what Paul said here. We do groan in this tabernacle, this body. Why? Weakness, death, headaches, cancer, heart problems, lung problems, tyranny, war. We struggle. We groan. We groan not only because of the burden of it, but also because hope has been implanted within us. Hope for the life that is to come. But notice what this hope is. Yes, to depart and be with Christ he says, is better by far. Believing in Jesus changes everything about death for the unbeliever. Funerals ought to be a time of rejoicing for Christians and at the same time sympathy and tears. Not all tears are evil. We can cry and we can laugh at the same time. But did you notice Paul said that? That is not the whole goal. If you were to die right now, And go into the presence of the Lord. Yes, you would be far beyond us. But you wouldn't be complete yet. Because notice Paul says, I don't want to be unclothed. My bodiless existence. That brief period of time in my personal existence where I am disembodied. Where I am a soul. Whatever that particularly means. I have an existence. But I'm naked. Because God didn't create me to be Casper, the friendly ghost. God created us to be whole body, soul, spirit, mind. All of the aspects of our existence. So Paul says, this is what we are longing for. Not, yeah, this body's evil. Physical things are bad. No, what we are longing for is resurrection. So that we may have our eternal dwelling, our glorified bodies. This is the same thing he's saying in Romans 8. He expands on it at a, at, um, uh, a bit larger here. We don't know what it'll be like. But the thought of being 
not just, yes, I'm with you, Lord, but I'm whole with you again. That is why the Bible is constantly emphasizing the resurrection of the body. And that is why atheism thrives where there is cremation. But creation does not mean that a person will not rise. We talked about that last week, I believe, or we're going to talk about it soon. I can't remember. <clears throat> those who, have, been, those who have, have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation, as John said, as Jesus said in John. But you have to understand that the goal of redemption is not the avoidance of hell. The goal of redemption is the resurrection. That is why the apostles preached resurrection. And that's why the resurrection was such a bone of contention. Because men think, I create my body, I control my destiny. That's it. Paul came preaching, death is not it. The apostles preach death is not it. There is a man, a God-man who is raised from the dead. He has conquered sin and death and judgment. He lives. You can read all about it in Revelation 1.9. He was dead, but he is alive forevermore, and he has the keys of death and of hell. And sorry, that should have been Revelations 1 through 9. <clears throat> So the midst of our suffering, what does Paul call us to? Resurrection. That is why we groan. That is why there is a sense of anticipation, a sense of longing, a sense almost like childbirth. And it is because the principles of new life are there. It will come to full expression one day when Jesus returns and raises our body from the dead. But now we wait and now we suffer. And notice while you are still there in 2 Corinthians 5, the conclusion Paul draws from this. Wherefore, we labor. He doesn't say there will, there, he, he doesn't say therefore we are wistful. Oh, the day when we don't have to work any longer. Oh, the day when we can just have spiritual parties in heaven and float from cloud to cloud, strumming on our harps. Is that what heavenly mindedness does for someone? Is that the hope of the resurrection? Yes, there is decay now. Yes, there is suffering. Yes, there is pain. But this is not the destiny of the children of God. The destiny of God is resurrection and the renewal of all things by the power of God. And what does that do to you if you believe? Wherefore we labor. It instills us with vigor. Why? Because I know that death is not the end. Think of this. It kind of hit me a bit strange the other day. That John Calvin, he's not dead. Martin Luther, he's not dead. Rusos Rushduni is not dead. Now their bodies are in the ground somewhere, some paved over as John Calvin's case, but they're not dead. That which made them, Calvin, Rush, your Christian relatives, they are alive in the presence of God. Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
have been in the ground for a millennia or more. But Jesus said, they're not dead. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. So when you get that into your mind and your heart, it begins to work. And you begin to think, wait a minute. My daily labors, they are critical. Because we're moving towards resurrection and the renewal of everything. And I hope you're saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to contribute to it. Because our labors are never in vain. John said in Revelation about the saints who have departed, their works follow after them to be rewarded, to be recognized as God's own grace in our lives. So Paul says to these believers, I know you're suffering. And I know, I know there seems to be a disconnect between, Paul, you say that we are heirs of Christ and join heirs with Christ. And yet we suffer. Paul says, remember, yes, we suffer. But suffering is purposeful. God has something to teach us now. But the suffering is bigger than that. We groan. The whole universe groans, waiting for the glory of God to be revealed when Jesus returns. Is that where our hope is set? Because if our hope is set there, for example... When it comes time for us to die, we do not hold on for dear life. Oh, let me hold on to this gasping course as I, long as I can. No, gone with it. It is decaying, but there is a resurrection coming. God will raise it and he will perfect it. Think on these things this week, brothers and sisters. Your life, if you are a believer, is meaningful. It is facing eternity. Your labors will follow after you. You are destined, if you are in Christ, to be whole, holy, joyful, filled with purpose, with abilities, strengths that we cannot imagine now to serve God and walk with him. So Paul says, in the light of that, we're not going about our pitiful little sufferings. And he's, not, he's talking about being beaten, stoned, fighting lions, left for dead, beaten by serpents, hated by everyone in the Gentile world except those who were Christians. And what did Paul say? Our mo- <clears throat> Excuse me, our momentary afflictions are light because God is working through them to bring the glory and the restoration of all things. Think on that and see if it doesn't help you deal with your present difficulties, your bodily maladies, a little more patiently and joyfully. There is coming the blowing of the trumpet. Jesus is returning. If there ever was a generation that held back the returning chariot of the Redeemer, it is this one. Because our affections are not set On things above. When was the last time you. Me. We. Consistently prayed. Come Lord Jesus. Come thou long expecting morning of resurrection. James Henley Thornwell. That great southern Presbyterian said. That our unbelief. Our low and carnal aims. 
our worldliness retards the chariots of the Redeemer. Let not our congregation retard it. Beloved, but let it hasten it by faithfulness and vigilance and joy. Some of us are going to put others of us in the grave. And what is your grave? But a chariot to inheritance. So don't fear death. Embrace resurrection. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us, a quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.